Hello, my name is Isaac Keith Martinez, and welcome to Isaac's Haunted Beard. Do you like dogs? Do you like robots? Do you like robot dogs? Well, <laughs> if you like robots, dogs, and robot dogs, then this is the episode for you because today we are going to be talking about the film Chomps from the year 1979. Yes, this is a movie about a robot dog. I used to watch this movie on cable a lot as a kid. And as a kid, I think that um, just seeing a movie about a robot dog is fascinating. So obviously, I decided this is the movie for me. <laughs> and then about mm, 10 years ago, I saw it for the first time as an adult and really got to see for myself whether or not it held up and discovered that eh, it's not as good as I might have remembered it through the uh, filter of nostalgia, but I still enjoyed it for what it was. A movie with an absurd concept from the 70s for kids. Recently, I was talking to a friend of mine who had watched chomps for I, I i think the first time and through her enthusiasm it inspired me to revisit the film so because of that inspiration i would like to dedicate this episode to my pal kylie fievel fox kylie you got me to revisit chomps i thank you for that and this episode is for you so let's spend some time today talking about chomps um, although I'm not a hundred percent certain <laughs> if you personally have seen this movie, um, I don't really feel like this movie has much to spoil. There's not too much twists and turns in it. So, um, while I'm talking about the plot, uh, you don't have anything to worry about as far as like spoilers. There's really nothing to spoil. And whether or not this is an episode that's designed to encourage you to watch it or not, mm, that's up to you. If anything, um, I just picture maybe you just want to hear what a movie about a robot dog is like and then decide for yourself if this is a curiosity worth, uh, <laughs> worth uh, you know, checking out. So let's start by talking about the plot, shall we? Now, our main character is Brian. Brian is a young man who is an inventor, and he works for a security company. Now, when I say security company, I mean a company that provides security for businesses and banks and offer state-of-the-art technology on how to protect these businesses after hours. And um, Brian is always coming up with fresh new ideas on how to protect these companies. He and his boss are not always agreeing on these ideas. And because of that, 
they argue a lot. And eventually, and this happens fairly early on in the movie, so this isn't really a spoiler, he does get fired. And being that he just gets fired from this job, now is not the best time to tell his boss that he's engaged to his daughter, Casey. But he can share with Casey that he's working on a new project that will revolutionize the world of security. It's a project called Canine Home Protection System, or CHOMPS for short. In other words, he's invented a robot dog that responds to numerical commands to protect not only your home, but your business as well. The dog's design is based on Brian's own pet dog named Rascal, a small, unassuming, mixed breed dog. Now let's pause for a second and talk about chomps, okay? Now, um, it doesn't look like a robot dog. It looks like a real dog. And when you watch the movie, most of the scenes that feature chomps, it's a real dog. With the exception of moments where the inventor needs to do maintenance on the dog, then it's like a uh, a doll or whatever. Um, but that's the point. I think the point is to trick people into thinking it's a real dog. And then the concept also suggests that by choosing an, a dog that's not an obvious threat, like a Doberman, um, people would just kind of like ignore it and not see it as a threat. So it catches you off guard. Now let's talk about that name Chomps. Now I'm going to kind of pick it apart here, but I'm not really making fun of it. I'm just kind of having fun with it. Now C stands for canine. H stands for home. O stands for nothing. <laughs> M stands for nothing. P stands for protection and S stands for system. But actually H and the O and the M, I guess altogether is supposed to stand for home, but they're missing the letter E. So really it, it's home, <laughs> but it's home. I think the point is you want it to stand for chomps because it suggests the dog and because it's a clever name and it's the title of the movie, but also um, it kind of suggests that this robot dog is specifically designed to protect your home, right? Because it's the home protection system. But the reality is um, it, it's less about protecting the home and more about protecting your business. But I guess canine business protecting system doesn't really have the same ring to it and it doesn't spell chomps. So let's move on, shall we? Now, once Casey sees for herself what chomps can do, she convinces Brian to show her father the invention. After seeing it in action, Casey's father, whose name is Ralph Norton, Ralph Norton's relationship with Brian is repaired, and together they are ready to take on the world of security. Now, we can't just have everything go uh, swimmingly. We need some type of, you know, thing to shake the plot up. So enter our antagonist, to the film Rival Security Company, uh, which has it in for Norton's company because they're competition. And in an attempt to destroy them, 
they plant a spy in their staff who leaks information to them. Now, once the rival company find out about Chomps, their plan is to steal the, I guess, the blueprints or the plans for Chomps and, I guess, make their own Chomps? They want to beat the company to the punch is what they want to do. How do they attempt to accomplish this? Well, they send out two criminals to do their dirty work. But being that this is a children's comedy film, these criminals are buffoons who are routinely thwarted by chomps. Now, being that this is a comedy, um, we need some uh, comic relief, right? We need people to provide the audience with jokes. And these criminals are um, responsible for most of the uh, attempted jokes, as well as another character that I'll talk about in a moment, who is another dog named Monster. Now, for the most part, that's what Chomps is about. Um, <laughs> now let's talk about, like, whether or not this movie works. Um, because... <laughs> I would imagine that the appeal for this movie is very specific. And if it if you're not a part of that group of people that's drawn to something like Chomps, I doubt that it's going to win you over. It's a comedy and it's a kids film. And when I say it's a comedy, um, it's not a comedy that you should compare to other movies that make you laugh. Because, um, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's not that funny. And when it is funny, um, I don't mean to be mean, but when it is kind of funny, it's almost funny accidentally. Like, I'm rarely laughing with this movie and I'm more laughing at this movie. Like, some of the jokes don't land in a way that's uh, so poorly that I can't help but to giggle. <laughs> also, it's a kid's movie, so it's not meant for adults. But at the same time, I'm not recommending that this is a movie that I think your, if you have kids, that your kids could enjoy. This is a movie from the 70s, and um, man, there's just something about movies from different decades that specifically appealed to kids of that generation at the time. And that appeal doesn't always carry over to the next generation. Sure, there are many old movies that are timeless and find an audience with every generation. Is Chomps one of those movies? Probably not. If you were to show it to a kid and have any success of entertaining that child, I would, uh, I would guess that the child would have to be particularly young. So, um, <laughs> sounds like I'm kind of like ripping on this movie, ain't I? Um, I don't mean to, I'm just trying to be honest. So one of the things that I have to, um, accomplish in each episode of this podcast is whether or not this is a movie that I think you could enjoy. Do I endorse this film? The answer is kinda, 
kind of. I am acknowledging and recognizing that it's probably not for most people. But there is a small group of people that this movie could appeal to. What group of people is this? This is the people that I'm a part of. What am I attracted to that makes me watch a movie like this and even enjoy watching a movie like this? Uh, one is the absurdity of it all. It's such a ridiculous concept that that by itself is enough to draw me in. Enough so that it doesn't even have to succeed in delivering on its promise. I don't even specifically know what it's trying to promise, but just the idea, like, I mean, it does succeed in saying, hey, you want to see a robot dog? Here's a robot dog. Um, do you get much more than that? Not really. <laughs> so, you know, if you just want to, like, say, hey, I watched a movie about a robot dog, this is the movie for you. And the other appeal is the fact that this is a movie from 1979. And um, the 70s isn't popular with everyone, you know? I love the 70s. A lot of people do. But a lot of people avoid movies from the 70s. And maybe a lot of people avoid movies from specific decades. But I've observed that this particular decade does seem to turn off a, a lot of people. I get it, but it doesn't mean I agree with it because I am a fan of the 70s. So that being said, the fact that it's from the 70s is a big draw for me. So watching this movie is like a cinematic time machine. So that's my pitch on if this movie uh, could work for you. Is it going to make you laugh? Mm, probably not. And if it does, it might be um, unexpected moments, you know, where you're like, I'm, I'm just laughing at how just ridiculous <laughs> this whole experience is. Um, because it's not really that funny. The jokes don't really land. Am I entertained watching the film? Absolutely. <laughs> because I like stupid stuff. Sue me. <laughs> now, I'm guessing you've heard of the company Hannah... Barbera. I don't need to sell you on what Hanna Barbera is. If I could, if I had to try and remind you with just two titles of what Hanna Barbera is responsible for, those two titles, my go-to two titles would be Scooby-Doo and the Flintstones. You know, legendary animation studio. It's been around for a really long time. One of the major animation studios. Now, Hanna Barbera is actually responsible for making this movie um <laughs> at some point they thought uh hey maybe we should try making live action films expand our company and that's not a crazy idea disney did it and disney succeeded so hannah barbera tried to do it with this movie and well, this movie's not a classic, is it? So I guess we kind of already know whether or not Hanna Barbera uh, succeeded in expanding into the world of live action feature films. The opening credits of this movie are animated, which shouldn't surprise anyone because, as I just mentioned, Hanna Barbera made the movie. Now, here's what I find weird 
Hanna-Barbera has a style that to me is instantly recognizable. I'm not saying all their cartoons look the same, but when I watch any cartoon made by that company, I personally feel like I can instantly recognize that it's a Hanna-Barbera cartoon. And I don't think that's a talent. I just think that's a testament to having a recognizable style. And you'd think that that style would be utilized in the opening credits one, because that's just the way they draw. That's just the way they do cartoons. And two, you think they'd want to like capitalize on their name. So having uh, recognizable opening credits would be like to their benefit. To me, what that reminds me of is the Pink Panther movies, you know, uh, Peter Sellers. I, as a kid, and I guess as an adult too, but especially as a kid, I really enjoyed the opening credits, especially to those movies, because you got to see the Pink Panther cartoon in the opening credits. I'm not saying that Hanna-Barbera should have threw on any of their famous faces like Scooby-Doo in their uh, opening credits to um, this movie, but you'd think that it would look like a Hanna-Barbera production. And it's 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 puzzling to, me, puzzling to me that it doesn't look like a Hanna-Barbera production. Not only that, I would even go so far as to say that I find the animation in the opening credits of the movie, not very good. <laughs> it's weird. Um, eh, maybe you'd like it, but I didn't. Now, I'm gonna like jump around here with just some like random thoughts about the movie. Um, a few moments ago, I talked about the bumbling crooks that provide the comic relief in this movie. Another uh, big supplier of jokes in this movie is a dog. Not a robot dog, but a real dog. Now, there are a number of scenes that take place throughout the film in the neighborhood that not only Chomps, I guess, lives in with his inventor, uh, owner, but Rascal the dog that Chomps is, you know, designed to look like. So there are a lot of scenes where Rascal is out and about <laughs> in the neighborhood and you see him on his little, I don't want to say adventures, but you know, his little journeys throughout the, the neighborhood. And every time he's out and about, he encounters this much larger dog named Monster. And Monster kind of it's never really explained why monster doesn't like rascal but he does chase him every time he sees him and of course this leads to um eventually monster kind of like getting his when he accidentally uh tries to mess with the wrong dog and the wrong dog being the wrong dog being chomps um and he's also confused because the first time he sees chomps he sees chomps and rascal at the same time so he's like wait now there's two of them now the weirdest <laughs> the weirdest thing about the whole inclusion of monster in this movie is that you can hear monsters thoughts that's the only way i can explain it because he talks 
but I don't think we as the audience are supposed to think that monster actually talks like the way Scooby-Doo talks. But when you see him on screen, you hear a voice speaking. So I think it's just supposed to be his inner voice. And the first time they show monster on screen, the first thing he says when he sees rascal holding a bone in his mouth is the line hand over that bone turkey and that is a prime example of the way monster delivers jokes it's just like i think you're just supposed to feel like his dialogue is funny and it kind of is like it's it's not none of it's funny but it's so not funny it's funny you know what i mean and I love that he called Rascal a turkey because whenever I watch movies or TV shows from the 70s, I always feel like that's the only decade where turkey was like a common diss. And I love turkey. Like it's not vulgar. It's it's pretty like childish, but it was popular. Like a lot of people's like adults said it. Like it was a cool thing to call someone if you wanted to insult them. You know, and then, of course, there's the extension of turkey being jive turkey. And, uh, you know, like there's a part of me that kind of wishes that we could bring turkey back. But then there's another part of me that's protective of turkey. It's precious of it and goes, no, let's leave turkey in the time capsule. It's one of the things I appreciate about watching 70s stuff is that you get to hear um, retired slang like calling someone a turkey now um <laughs> chomps the dog has not too many things he can do to showcase how strong or how special he is um a lot of it involves just him running so <laughs> Whenever he's chasing someone, you're just supposed to believe that this dog is so special that he can chase down a car, chase down a bad guy. And for some reason, um, whenever they show him running, they it's, it's in slow motion. Like I never really picked up on it the first time, like the first time I saw him running in slow motion. Like, you'd almost think it'd be the opposite. Like, they'd speed it up to make it look like he's running really fast, but they don't. And I guess there is something kind of, like, robotic about slow motion that makes it look, you know, because it's obviously it's not happening in real time. So it does give this illusion that something, you know, something out of the ordinary is happening. But when he is chasing these criminals whatever music is playing like for the score in the background is always like fun music or like funky music like whenever i watch an action movie because this is an action sequence this is the dog chasing down a criminal and when you watch an action movie the score is supposed to mimic the you know what's going on on screen so the music tells the viewer how they're supposed to feel. And in action scenes, the music should be exciting or 
dreadful to give the viewer this sense that the hero might not succeed in what they're trying to accomplish. But I feel like because this movie is for kids, they don't want children to feel any kind of anxiety. They want the children to cheer chomps, feel excited when he's chasing down a criminal and just have fun with it. So whenever chomps is running in slow motion, <laughs> it's to this like kind of wacky, funky, fun music, which is kind of funny. And the dog, like he's supposed to be super strong. So, um, he crashes through things a lot. Like there's a scene where he jumps through a glass window, which for the record, only this movie and Friday the 13th, the final chapter are the only two movies I can think of off the top of my head where you see a dog jump through a glass window. Cause Gordon does that in Friday the 13th final chapter. And if chomps were real, his biggest flaw is causing property damage. Cause he also like, he jumps through windows and he jumps, he runs through like brick walls. And whenever he sees a threat, it's as though the dog's like not smart enough to figure out like how to get around things. He just charges right through. But I think obviously it's for visual, you know, like a visual gag. Um, <laughs> If you are already familiar with this movie, I, I felt like when I was watching this movie that, and I don't, I don't say this about movies often because I'm not this kind of guy, but I feel like Chomps is the kind of movie that would be good to have on in the background and not pay attention to it. If you just want to have something on TV while you're already doing something, like I said, I'm not that kind of guy. I'm the kind of guy who, 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 who sits down and focuses all his attention on whatever movie I'm watching. But Chomp seems like an exception. Chomp seems like something that you can just have on as familiar background noise. And, um, and that would be kind of nice, you know, <laughs> this is my opinion. Um, this movie stars a lot of television stars. Um, uh, the lead in the film is played by Wesley. I don't know if I'm going to say his last name correctly. It's spelled E-U-R-E. -E, Yuri? He was from a TV show at the time called Land of the Lost. And his fiance is played by Valerie Bertinelli, who at the time was on a show called One Day at a Time. And her dad is played by Conrad Bain, who plays Mr. Drummond from Different Strokes. And the rival security company their boss is played by jim backus who is the millionaire thurston howell from gilligan's island but he also provided the voice of mr magoo in the animated series mr magoo and one of the criminals is played by red buttons who had his own show a long time ago called the red button show um <laughs> this movie is directed by don chafee who's not a name that i was familiar with but i was looking at his filmography and was surprised to discover that this man directed the classic films Jason and the Argonauts from 1963, One Million Years B.C., which is a cult classic from 1966, and the Disney film Peach Dragon from 1977. And this movie came out in 79, only a year before he had made another dog feature film called The Magic of Lassie. Did you know in Germany... 
This film is called RoboDog. <laughs> it's also not the only film called RoboDog. I think there was a movie called RoboDog that came out around, I want to say, 2015. This is the kind of movie that there's no chance they'll ever remake it. Because if they ever remade it, it would have to be like a straight-to-video movie. Because when you watch it now, it plays already like a straight-to-video film. It's got that quality to it and that personality to it. And yet you look at it and you're like, wow, this played on movie theater screens and drive-in screens. Like It was a feature film that was theatrically released. To me, when I looked at this movie, I feel like they, they being the people who made this movie, was looking at the success of the Benji franchise. And if you don't know who Benji is, I'm not going to explain Benji. And just went, how can we copy that and kind of switch it up a bit? And they're like, hmm, we'll make him a robot. You know, if you want to do a double feature with Chomps, you can do a double feature with the Robot Kid movie from 1995 called Daryl. Remember Daryl? That stood for Data Analyzing Robot Youth Lifeform. Do I recommend that double feature? Huh, maybe I do. If you do want to check out Chomps, it is on Blu-ray, and it's always streaming somewhere, so just look for it. You'll find it. Thanks for listening to me talk about the Robot Dog movie. I hope you enjoyed yourself, and you can make your own choice if Chomps is the movie for you. Until the next time we talk about movies, take care of yourself and each other. And if you got yourself a robot dog, don't forget to feed it a robot bone. Aloha.